Bloody Elbow presents Crooklyn's Corner, the podcast that presents a wide variety of topics focused on combat sports and the entertainment community, which features interviews with fighters, media personalities, and entertainment figures. Hey, Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Steffi Haynes, a.k.a. Crooklyn. Hey, hey, I'm back this month with a very, very special guest. Allow me to present one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, the Queen of Spades herself, Shayna Baszler. Shayna, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. The grand return. A grand once, return. Once and future queen. Yes, yes. I mean, this was back in the day when we used to call you Shay Bay. You know, mm-hmm. back when you were pulling off wizards and bulldog chokes in the cage, and now you're doing the same thing in a ring in front of millions of adoring fans. That's That's got to be so surreal when you look back on your journey. I mean, adoring is debatable, but <laughs> uh, they still like to hate us. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of wild, right? Life is wild. Yeah, it was just like a dream and now we're living it. So what can I say? Now, I recently spoke with Julie Kedzie about those good old days. She gave me some really wild tales about how wild, wild west it was back when you you ladies were first coming on the scene and how training was just crazy and weight cutting and there mm. basically wasn't um, drug testing back then or anything like that. So I was wondering what your experience was like basically in the training environment. I mean, there wasn't even there wasn't even blood work. And when I think about that, that's crazy, right? We were punching each other. We're just signing up at the door, basically. And especially for women at the time, there were so few women that there wasn't really weight classes, right? So it was like, if another girl showed up, if they had another girl and you agreed to fight, you'd fight. So there wasn't even really weigh-ins and there was no blood work. Like if it was, I guess, a a better event, they'd take your blood pressure (laughs) and stuff but like other than that it's kind of crazy to think about um and yeah training I mean I started training with uh this group of guys in a garage with those really cheap puzzle mats that don't stick on the floor you know they like roll up and so uh the, the garage floor wasn't even like it was all uneven and stuff and we were just it was just like I mean I'm I'm from the midwest so it was a bunch of wrestlers um kind of learning submissions from Ken Shamrock's book and that was how we started and it was just it was sparring <laughs> we didn't have actual like drills and training and, and and whatever um we just sparred sometimes it would be like okay person on top has big gloves on and they're only allowed to punch and the person on bottom has to submit them but like it was just live goes all the time. It was crazy. And it was this mindset of like, I guess a very amateur wrestling mindset where it was, if we go hard in here, then it'll be easy in the ring. So you wanted to just, I don't know. It was, it's, it's crazy to think about now knowing 
um, you know, the science, especially with <laughs> concussion studies and, and things like that. And it's a lot more advanced now. So, uh, yeah. Was CSW your first professional level fight team? Uh, that I was a part of, yes. Uh, I mean, I trained at, I trained a little bit for like a week at Militich. You know, I, I'd visited some other schools. Uh, some other teams but as far as like a team that I was on yeah CSW um, and Josh Barnett that was my first like pro team what was it like working with Josh Barnett and and Eric Paulson I mean that's that's legendary training material right there yeah I mean it's no secret I think people that know Josh he's a hard ass he's Mm. he's he's um you know he's not a coach that's gonna compliment you every day all the time um, but I, I don't, you know, he's also, it, it was a good balance for me. I like that style of coaching. It's critical. Um, you know, it was, it was like, there was a time in training where it was like, okay, now you're tired. Let's forget about just go. Like sometimes the best advice in a fight is to just fight. And it's not about like, keep your elbow in and, uh, turn your hip over and make sure you like, there's a time and a place for that. But like, there's also a time and a place deep in the water where you're just like, just fight, just go out and fight, do it. And, uh, he would drag us to that spot, uh, mentally a lot. And I think it was, um, you know, it was good. It was good for me. Some people don't like that. I, I like it. And then when Josh did compliment you, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like a million dollars, but, um, and then obviously Eric Paulson legend way ahead of his time, um, just tap being able to tap into that knowledge of catch wrestling and obviously leg locks before leg locks were cool. <laughs> right. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You have a very astute eye. You always have, you've always been able to look at people and point out a weakness or a, a strength. So when you look at the current crop of MMA fighters, men and women, and you see the wrestlers coming in, do you think that they're adapting their wrestling specifically to MMA well, or are you seeing a lot of people that are, you know, going to be stuck in a rut? Obviously, MMA is a lot more popular than back in the day. So when someone's ready to make the jump to MMA, um, it's not often that they just come straight off of an amateur wrestling mat and jump into MMA anymore. Like now it's kind of this known thing. You want to go learn jujitsu. You want to learn some submissions um, at least well enough to be able to defend, right? So it's I think like more and more today, you're seeing a better balance of um, grappling skill sets, uh, there might still be some disparity sometimes, especially as you see, like the more successful a wrestler was in the wrestling pedigree, they can go a lot further without concentrating on striking, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I do think if you don't, if you don't explore the well-roundedness of what you need, you're going to hit a, you're going to hit a ceiling at some point. And then the decision is going to be made, right? So if you don't, if you just come in with straight wrestling and you haven't dabbled in submissions, you're going to get submitted by someone eventually. It's what happens to every wrestler that goes to a jujitsu gym for the first time. They'll be like, okay, I got this. This is easy. They take them down and then they get caught in a triangle or they get caught in a guillotine because they're just not used to someone fighting off their back, right? Um, Same thing with striking. You get these guys that come in, they know how to take someone down. Okay, now I can't get submitted. uh, So I'm just going to go take them down right away. But then you get someone with maybe 
average takedown defense and now I can punch you in the face and knee you up the gut, you know, that now it's a completely different game. So I think um, you do see wrestlers that don't evolve hit a ceiling. The ones that do evolve and get past that are, you know, historically very successful. So uh, I think it's just like it all comes out in the wash, you know? Yeah. How much did your catch wrestling help you in your MMA career? And conversely, how much of your jujitsu? Because, I mean, when you were when you were active in MMA, I mean, you were known as a submission threat. You could pull off anything. So, how much has your jujitsu helped you in your pro wrestling career? And how much did your catch wrestling help you in your MMA career? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. The catch wrestling, as far as MMA. For people, I don't know, on both sides that maybe don't understand what catch wrestling is, it's 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 pro wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it's um catch wrestling historically legitimate submission wrestling art that you could also win you could win by pinfall or submission. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh it's jujitsu with pins, I guess, if you want to call it that. I hate calling it that because they're very different arts, but um, you know. I think the things that they gave me in each are the same, meaning catch wrestling in MMA. I was known for like, oh man, Shayna came up with this crazy submission. You know, I'm getting people in like the ab stretch or the twister, I guess they call it in Mm -hmm. MMA. Uh, But that's like a catch wrestling submission that's been done for hundreds of years. It's just nobody knew it because everybody was learning armbar triangle, uh, Alma Plata. You know what I mean? That's the roadmap you learn in jujitsu. I was learning um, double wrist lock, clock head scissor, <laughs> then maybe arm bar, uh, ab stretch, rear naked choke. You know, so that these are um, th- just just being just knowing things that other people didn't know. And I think that's what benefits me in pro wrestling is that everybody knows that stuff in pro wrestling. So now it's my jujitsu um that benefits me because pro wrestlers don't necessarily learn that path of submissions armbar triangle kimura you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um uh it's it's uh it's interesting i think in both however it did teach just body mechanics and how to move there's a there's a point in submission learning any jujitsu artist or catch wrestler will tell you this uh you're learning moves when you first start you're like oh armbar uh, you're learning you're learning certain moves but then um once you get advanced to a certain point now it's concepts so um i think knowing more paths on the on the submission tree is never a bad thing once you learn concepts and body mechanics you were in the first crop of women to ever compete in the ufc but if you'd had a choice back then to join either the ufc or the wwe how hard would that choice have been? And and where would you have ended up? <laughs> That's hard to say. You know, I, I, I think, I don't know, man. I, 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 I think in hindsight, I am very thankful and happy with my MMA career and how it led to pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would be what I am in pro wrestling had I done this before. Um, I think I am who I am in pro wrestling today because of the MMA career I had. So I don't know, knowing me, maybe I would have 
said yes to a WWE contract mm. before the UFC came along, but I honestly don't think that would have been to my benefit. Mm. Um, knowing what I know now, I'm glad it went. I'm glad I did the UFC first. Uh, obviously, the just the experience of like standing behind a curtain, getting ready to walk to a, a ring um, where someone else is trying to take you apart. All that is very familiar. Being in front of a crowd, trying to do this stuff. Um, interviews. I, I mean, I had interviews with you, you know what I mean? All this stuff uh, prepared me. And then here's something actually is the onslaught of hatred that uh, me and my friends got in MMA mm. uh, prepared us, I think for, it, cause like, I think it was just the beginning of like social media becoming this hot, huge thing, mm -hmm. right? Like you could, you finally could start using social media to make your brand and stuff. Um, when I was like first in the UFC. So I think, uh, having all that happen then on a not as visible scale, although at the time I thought like it was the whole world. Uh, I think it makes me a little more, a, a little less inclined to be bothered by social media today because, uh, been there done that what else is new you know what i mean but you're um, a darling on social media everybody loves shana come on now i mean i don't know you I are really know. really popular i don't know if you've actually taken a look but you are really popular i guess it maybe depends on what arm you're going down but um <laughs> you know basler charm is 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 a hard thing to hide you know that's right it's hard to deny it <laughs> <laughs> now what in your opinion makes the perfect heel and conversely what makes the perfect face i th i think the biggest difference and i think this is in all i guess you could you could say this in all sports so like heel and face are terms that are often used in pro wrestling but heel and face is in anything right there's always heel and face in 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 every sport in politics in uh tv storylines whatever um i think overall and very loosely uh a heel is someone that's like i'm different than you i'm better than you and i think a face is like we're in this together let's do this <laughs> i'm doing this for you um so when you look at like uh it you know the the um, i mean let's take it back to what everyone's experienced the the jerk captain quarterback of the football team in high school like you didn't hate him because he was bad and whatever or 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 this is my thing too is like he he didn't walk around all angry all the time like i hate being at this school he walked around happy all the time because he was good and he thought he ran the place uh, and that that was annoying. Now you celebrated when he fell on his face because you're like, ha ha, jerk, got you. But then again, the other guy that's like the underdog um, that you cheer for because he's like one of you. You know, he's like the guy he didn't his his parents couldn't afford to send him to all the football camps and he got overlooked and you feel that way, too. So he's kind of representing you and you're in this together and he's. He, you know, you go up to him and you're like, hey, man, you're an inspiration. And he's like, that's why I do it. You know, I do it for you guys. Like, that's that's kind of the the overall thing is like a heel. And regardless of their motivations or whatever, but they're like, I, I'm not one of you. I'm better than you. Don't high five me. 
I'm too good for that. And the and the and the face is like, yes, I do this for you. We're in this together. Let's go. You know, <laughs> I think the best villains in all of everything are the ones that you can you kind of empathize with. Mm. Right. So um, they have a little bit. There's a little bit of depth to them. Or maybe you don't empathize, but you're like, oh, man, no wonder he's so messed up. Hmm. Like, you don't have to be a certain way to be a heel. People are going to learn to, you know, they're going to love you or hate you regardless. But it's going to be, it's going to be, I think, and I mean, I guess that's true as a babyface as well. You want to have depth because there's longevity in that. And there's, uh, there's more to explore in that. And so when you... When you have a villain that's just the angry guy that grabs the mic and yells and hollers, that's that's great. That'll get a boo here and there, but that's a firework, you know, that's going to explode and die off. But when you think about long-lasting villains, you know, Darth Vader, mm-hmm. if all they showed of him was like being this breathy guy in a robot <laughs> suit, force-choking people, okay, cool, he's scary, but, like, the reason he's this timeless villain is because we know his backstory. Like, he was a good guy. He turned bad because he thought he killed his love. Like, how, like, now we know this, and we're like, oh, my goodness, how do we get him back? How do we make him understand, you know? Mm -hmm. Or or however you feel, but that there's a difference between the one-off villain and these, like, timeless villains. You got, I got, uh, you can't see, but I got you know, Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine behind me because they're so like <laughs> timeless. I don't know. Where do you fit? <laughs> I'm just curious because I've I've seen you do a little bit of heel stuff and I've also seen you do some face stuff. Where would you categorize yourself? I think I don't try so hard to be one way or another. Mm. I think um, people are going to have an opinion on me uh and this goes back to kind of what we were talking about with dealing with this in mma Mm. i'm just gonna nothing i do is fake (laughs) like i believe i believe and even if it's a reason i haven't said in an interview there's always a reason in my mind as to why i'm doing something or why i'm saying something could it get misunderstood yeah whatever but i don't i think the the biggest thing fans um, the audience, any sport, whatever, one thing that they're very good at is they can smell when you're faking the funk. Mm. And so if you say something and it isn't true to you a little bit, at least you have to, you have to find something that's, that's real about it. So I think I concentrate more on how do I make this real? How do I be genuine about this? And then kind of just let the, you know, let the cards lie as they fall. Is that the, is that the phrase? <laughs> Let I the chips think, fall but... where they Yeah, are. yeah, that's 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 <laughs> <it>. chips. <laughs> if you could craft a storyline for yourself, what would it look like? I mean, I'm living it, right? <laughs> Who do I mean? You know, I've always I've always been a pro wrestling fan, so I and and I've always been into martial arts. So I think those two things is what got me into MMA, and I think like fate ran me into josh barnett and so i think if i hadn't met josh barnett i don't know that i would have realized that mma and pro wrestling are the same they come from the same place Mm. um and the path took me here you know catch wrestling has a very different path than other martial arts where 
Um, it was like you had to prove yourself in a fight in order to earn the honor of being in a professional wrestling ring. And so I always tell people like along the lines of my lineage, my martial lineage, this is my black belt test. You know, catch wrestling doesn't have belts, but it, you know, for lack of better, a better simile or whatever, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a, um, the full evolution of what I've become. And then add to that, the fact that I'm now doing this with one of my, one of my best friends, Mm -hmm. Rhonda, and we're, and it was something that when I moved in, so when I moved into Rhonda's house, I turned on wrestling because I was a wrestling fan. I still watched, Mm -hmm. um, but they just kind of were in the house right so they kind of got sucked in because i claimed the television for wrestling and we were always like let's do this we should do this this is awesome and you know i'm doing it who doesn't want to go to work with their best friend and own the place you know (laughs) yeah exactly now speaking of Rhonda, if there were an instance let's say you know she might want to have another baby or you know she goes on an extended vacation for a month or two or something like that is there Anyone else that you could see yourself teaming up with for, for a tag team? I mean, I have to, you know, I've held these titles with, yeah, with other people, but by, by um, choice. Uh, I, so as Shayna, the competitor, I'd have to choose. I mean, I guess I'd have to choose Rhea right now. She's wrecking yeah. shop. <laughs> She's beating up dudes. She's the champion. Like if I'm going to pick, if we're picking teams, yes. Uh, you know, she's got to be one of the top picks just because of uh the success rate of her work. So, uh, you know, I think it's a great choice. Now, who's on your hit list that we might not know about? <laughs> Who has limbs to break off? We want to take out everyone. You know, we've said since the beginning of this of this title reign, um, bring it on. What we want to do is build an actual tag division. So get together make some friends don't just look for an opportunity like it seems like the history of the tag division has always been like oh man a big pay-per-view is coming up i better find a friend in the locker room to get in on this tag team action mm-hmm. but like me and Rhonda have been friends since 2013 mm-hmm. um and it's showing our, our our chemistry we're we're ruling the world right now so like any like anybody that thinks they can find a real friend not just someone to like try to snag an opportunity because that ain't going to work. Trying to snag an opportunity on me and Rhonda and the friendship we have is not going to work. So you're going to need to find someone that you have real history with, that you have a real bond with, make some friendships. Let's make this last and then give it a shot. So anybody that wants to step up that thinks they have friends, they can get some. We're, we're looking to defend these every week all the time. Let's do this you're trailblazing again with <laughs> the uh the building of the tag team division i love that i've been in a, a lucky position in my career i was on the first season of the ultimate fighter that had women i was uh i was in the first may young classic the first wwe all women's tournament i was in like there's so many of those that i've been a part of and i'm really lucky when you first uh got into the wwe or even next what was the hardest thing for you to master? And conversely, what was the easiest thing for you to master? I think, um, so obviously the easiest part was knowing what to do in a situation under fire. Mm. I never felt lost. Uh, there was never anything that happened in a match 
where I felt like I didn't know what to do next. Um, I've, I've been here, you know what I mean? Uh, and as far as like the hardest to learn, I guess a couple of things would be, so I guess, no, it, it goes hand in hand. So this is like two in one answer. Okay. So I think it's the fact that like in pro wrestling, you very much listen to the audience, right? Like the, the crowd is a, a character in the show. Um, so you have to have your ears open to that. Whereas in, in MMA or any other sport, really, uh, you learn to tune that out. Like all you want to hear is your corner. All you want to hear is your coach. Um, so I think that the fact that you have to take time to listen, uh, also slows the pace of what's going on. So, you know, in MMA, it was like very tunnel visioned. I want to listen to my coach. I want to get to the finish as fast as I can. And as far as pro wrestling, it's, it's very much listening to the crowd. Um, what do I want them to feel? What do I want to tell them and taking the time to let that happen? Uh, so I guess like pacing and listening to the crowd was a thing that I really had to concentrate on and learn. Um, but yeah, as far as being in a ring, trying to break someone in half, that, that part was easy. <laughs> What's what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you inside the ring? Oh man, there's a lot. You know what? We used to so did you watch Game of Thrones? Oh yes. So we used to play this game um in the locker room at NXT called For the Watch. And what it was was a basically a game of tag where I walk up and pretend to stab you in the gut and say for the watch. And no, and the rule was no matter where we were, no matter what we were doing, you had to sell that for 10 seconds. And so you'd be in the middle of a store, you know what I mean? Grocery stopping and do it. And you'd have to fall over on the floor acting like you were dying. <laughs> but we started doing this in matches. Uh, so we started like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm punching someone in the corner and then I punch them in the gut and I say for the watch and they like have to fall over and do it or, or, um, you know, I'm tagging with someone randomly on a show, uh, you know, I'm tagging with Jay Duke and I have to punch her in the gut behind the curtain as our music's playing for the watch. So we'd have to come through the curtain and she'd have to be, uh, you know what I mean? um, that, but whoever, whoever got, got was it. And you might not be present when that whoever was it got tagged. You know what I mean? So you never really knew who was it unless you were the one involved in the, in the, in the last one. Um, but that was, that was some fun time. So you didn't really ever expect it. So it wasn't like you were in a match with someone and you knew they were it and you knew they were going to get you or, or, or whatever. It just would happen by surprise. And it was, it made it pretty fun. What's been the hardest part of your WWE journey? And I, it doesn't have to be physical, but, you know, you mentioned uh, not paying so much attention to social media, online hate and things like that. Well, was that difficult for you or was there anything at all difficult for you during your journey? I think, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I I had as hard a time with the social media thing as some people. Like I said, I, I, I kind of experienced all that in MMA already. Mm. Um, and had been through the, there's like a certain process you go through where you're like, ah, my whole world's ending. Everybody hates me. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's like 2% of the world. Okay. Nobody really cares. Never mind. Um, I'd already been through all that. Uh, obviously there's, there's certain things that still, everyone gets triggered by something. Hmm. Um, but I would say the hardest part 
was like adjusting and I love it now, but I think adjusting to being on the road all the time. And what I mean is I'm not talking about like homesick and all that. There is that, but just getting used to not sleeping in your own bed, staying on a workout schedule, um, staying on a diet, uh, figuring out all that. And then also on top of that, and this is, I think important for like mentally when you're on the road all the time is finding time to like, go see where you're at. Every town, every city looks the same from inside a hotel room. So I want to always try at least to find time to like go on a walk or go to a local coffee house or check out the local brewery or, um, if there's like a, a local place, it's like, oh, here's a cool uh, museum or here's a monument to something or whatever. Uh, and then I go on a black hole doing research. Like I was in Hattiesburg, <laughs> Mississippi. And did you know that is where the last bare knuckle boxing match happened? I, I mean, there's bare knuckle boxing now, but I'm talking like old school. You're talking fisticuffs. Yeah, talking like old school, they they fought until one person couldn't get up anymore. These du- these two dudes fought 72 rounds. Wow. And it was like illegal, so people would buy tickets and then jump on a train and they didn't know where they were going because if the cops found out, you know what I mean? And it was like, these guys took shots of whiskey in between rounds to help <laughs> with the pain. Like, this was nuts. This was old school. And they have the site marked with a monument. Wow. You know what I mean? And I'm like, man, I need to go because that's kind of like, I don't know. It's like a heritage thing for me. Right. Yeah. So I, I like <laughs> went to see that. So I think taking time to do that in every town and just adjusting to finding time for yourself while being on such a hectic schedule was the hardest adjustment for me, because I'll be honest with you, it was miserable at first, um, but it's good now. I love it now. So <laughs> Of the male wrestlers, who's your favorite to watch? And of the females, who's your favorite lady to watch? I think uh, I really... So there's there's a few people I like to watch. I like watching Tommaso Ciampa. Um, I think he has a style that's very... That I can take a lot from. And I don't mean like moves that he does or anything, but just a similar style where he doesn't do much flashy... But he's a lot of brutal, brutal stuff. Um, I So I really enjoy watching him. I think watching someone like, um, like Sami Zayn. And for the reason that that guy turns every situation he's in into gold. Mm-hmm. It's such a talent. I mean, he's in the best the best thing going in pro wrestling right now. Well, he's maybe a little less involved now, but you know what I mean? Like that, that, that is such a valuable skill and a talent to have, especially in this business to be able, everything you touch just becomes amazing. Um, And I think along that same arm, um, but in a different way, I think the Miz is someone that's like, that guy can take anything and make it be like, man, you love to hate that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you want to watch him. And I think that is, that is the skill, you know, that those are some skills. I don't know. I just, I, I really, really, really appreciate that skill to be able to take whatever you have and turn it into a thing. Um, It's great because 
I, I, I get so concentrated on being like, I could break anyone that I forget. <laughs> I have to make it a thing sometimes, you know? And, and which lady do you like watching most, uh, to measure up talent or whatever? Uh, so I don't know that there's anyone in the ring that can stand to me, but, uh, I do like watching people that are, uh, a different style than me just because yeah. it's things it's so, you know, you say it in jujitsu or like grappling all the time. There comes a point where nothing is new. There might be like a new way to do something, but nothing is new. Right. Um, but like when it comes to watching someone like an Io Shirai or like a, a Dakota Kai, like these these people that that wrestle and pull moves out that I don't see, like in an MMA fight sense, mm. I love watching that. Um, and then I guess along the same lines of like what I was talking about with Sammy and The Miz, I think Bailey is a person who also can take. Um, whatever whatever she's given you know look at all the iterations of bailey there's been and it's always gold so yeah. um you know don't let it get around that i complimented her or whatever but <laughs> now you used to be really really into muscle cars and the last time i interviewed you which was right after you um entered the ufc you had i want to say it was a monte carlo super sport that you were restoring yourself no it's a old cutlass old cutlass i was in the same ballpark you gotta yeah, yeah. give me snaps for that listen yeah. i'm a formula one fan i'm not into <laughs> the the muscle cars as much but i i i was in the same ballpark but anyways do you still have it and are you still doing that because you were restoring it yourself yeah and yeah. i know you got that from josh because josh used to do it too and i remember one time we had the two of you on the show and you, you talked cars for like 20 minutes yeah i uh actually it's really funny i before i got on the call with you i just got off the phone with josh because i have a 69 mustang right now oh, um that is being worked on and uh it's 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 getting it's getting all new electrical and an all new gauge cluster put in and then me and josh were on the phone just talking about all this stuff i want to go um you know all the fuel injected maybe maybe get like super cool into i don't know we had a we had a meeting and now after i get back i'm going on the road again for like another two weeks so when i get back i have a meeting with the mechanic that's working on my car um and we're going to talk about some some upgrades but yeah what yeah, color the... oh it's like um so it's a it's a electric red it's actually a honda color from i think it's like a 2016 honda color oh um i got it painted i have pictures on my instagram i haven't posted about it in a while because it's been in the shop electricals uh, yeah electrical in a car is something i don't touch yeah. i don't know enough about it but um yeah but i'll have to i'll have to post more about it now that it's gonna be back in so you me. migrated away from carbon black because that was what the cutlass was it yeah was the cutlass black. was yeah. a bat black with a glossy powder coat trim yeah beauty yeah i had to so when i got signed i drove i actually drove my little acura all the way from la across the country to orlando and i just had no way and i didn't have the money at the time to ship it and i just i don't know so i i josh you know helped me out and took care of that 
Oh, that's that's too yeah. bad. But you've got you've got yourself a '69 Mustang, so you know it's a yeah. good trade-off. Try um, to make it a 10-second car. We'll see what we can do. Uh oh. Now I've just got a couple last questions here. Uh, what's the number one thing on your bucket list? As far as wrestling, or just anything in life, like what's the one thing you know you must do before you leave the mortal coil? So obviously, I've I've wrestled at WrestleMania. And maybe this is a thing I'll never stop chasing because it seems like I've gotten it, which is wrestle at WrestleMania. But I want I want that match that I know was that match at WrestleMania, you know? And mm. like I said, maybe you always have that feeling and you never are satisfied, but mm. until until like hindsight 20 years later, but um there is that. But I think I would love at some point. So I ride a one wheel. And I don't know if you know what a one wheel is. It's like the skateboard looking thing with the rubber tire in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of balances. Um, so I ride one wheels and I'm part of like a couple of one wheel gangs. I would, <laughs> it sounds so nerdy. It does. I'm so sorry. I would, um, I would love to visit all, like get a van or something and visit all the state parks and one wheel the trails in all the parks that I'm allowed to. Some parks don't allow it um, yet, but uh, I would love to do that. Just start at like one end of the country and cruise around and just one wheel the world. Wow. It, it would be so cool. Yeah, definitely the Forrest Gump style. Maybe, maybe the Mustang. When the Mustang's on, we'll take the Mustang, <laughs> go cruising across the country in state parks. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, that would two, be cool. Down to two questions. What is your biggest fear in life? I guess I don't want to be forgotten. I want to be one of those people that lives forever. And I think that MMA is so quick and the fans are so quick to forget the work of the past mm -hmm. and um, and and what the, the pioneers did for the sport. They're so easy to dismiss the work done before. And I think in pro wrestling, uh, the fans have a, a, a better appreciation for the history of, of that sport. So um, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to live forever. Oh, I love it though. <laughs> All right. Final question. If you had a piece of advice to give to any aspiring athlete in any sport, what would that piece of advice be? Um, I would say that you better get ready and decide that you are okay with working as hard as you can for much longer than you think is fair. Uh, you know, work if you're willing to work that hard for that long, good things will come. I love it. Shayna, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been way too long. We got to do this again sooner. Yeah. Um, what I want to do right now is give you a moment. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media, what you have coming up, and when we can see you next on our TV. Well, me and Rhonda, you can watch me and Rhonda on Money in the Bank uh, live, PLE from London, uh, to continue rule the world and uh, reigning wrecking shop in this tag division. Um, and as far as where you can find me, I am QOS Basler on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and, uh, you can follow me on Twitch QO spades. I stream sometimes. So 
do it up follow game, me on all the things what game are we playing right now diablo 4 like everyone <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. right well there you have it folks the amazing the incomparable queen of spades Shayna baszler y'all know the drill until next time please stay safe Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.